an 8-bit Rocket Studios production. Hey, hey Jeff. Hey, Steve. How's it going? Hey, hey. you know, um, it's almost halfway through the summer, and this is the worst season of Into the Rogue Blank ever, because we've done, like, three episodes, and one of them was a, re- a retread from I like, We gotta catch ago. up. We gotta catch up. I got two episodes right now we're working off of the Atari ST. Okay, so we're we're in Atari ST mode right now. We're on fire for the Atari ST right now. What's the name of this episode, Steve? This is called The Halcyon Days of 1989. Fun imported from Europe. I believe most of the games we talked about this are European imports. Okay, uh, maybe a couple weren't, but I don't know. Well, most of it's imported from Europe. Okay, let's get it started. We were children of the Silicon Revolution, an X-generation conscripted to fight the console and home computer wars. A product of an analog 70s childhood, we came of digital age in the 80s, believing we could affect the world 8 bits at a time. Armed with joysticks, full-stroke keyboards, jolt cola, and MTV haircuts, we proceeded into the vertical blank. There, we stayed up late at night, devising incantations from D&D rulebooks and beginners' all-purpose symbolic instruction code. Video games were the match, and programming was the fuse, as the infinite possibilities of the digital world exploded into the internet age to come. We are Generation Atari. The 1989 games for the Atari ST, and I'm making some new videos about gaming gems and games that rock from 1989 that aren't covered by other videos. But I also have listed out while doing that all of the games from 1989 that I think we actually purchased. So let's go through that list. So wait, let's explain a little bit about how we actually purchased these, because almost 100% of these games were purchased from a single import store that is about an hour away from us in Orange County. And it was pretty much the only store at the time that carried Atari ST games that was even relatively close to us. So we were going to college in Long Beach, which is about halfway between us and where the store was in Orange, which is called Computer Games Plus in Orange, California. And I think at least monthly, we would take a sojourn out to basically our only source of computer games out in in orange and i bet almost every atari st fan in the usa has a similar story um, or, or, of, of not i mean it, it was like b dalton software etc or whatever they were or babbages or whatever it was, was was not carrying anything for the atari ST. or if they did it was old or if they did it was boring stuff you'd seen before and so to get anything interesting it was out to a place like in computer games plus which imported all the magazines like ST format and ST action as well as the games that were in the magazines so you could get the magazine and then you could read about the games and then you could get actually buy the games off the shelf which is which is at the time was was pretty amazing very fond of that time yeah that was a great time and i think we would buy three packages games a lot of times they were in multi-packs and um 
we'd buy three boxes and we buy a couple magazines every time we went. So oh, roughly yeah. it was a hundred dollar trip every time we went. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Okay, so you say the first time one on your list is Action Fighter, which I don't remember. So why don't you tell me about that? Action Fighter is a Sega arcade port. It's basically a version of Spy Hunter, but you also get to go on a boat. It's a pretty decent conversion. It's not great. I mean, it's for the time Sega arcade ports by Activision. Actually, this is done by Firebird, but Activision and Firebird, they were okay. You know, there are other people that they're in probe. They did some. This is just an okay game, but it came on one of our multi packs. Um, I had it's a blue disc. We had a, fi a set of games, but from Firebird that included Rick Dangerous also, and that's where this came on. Well, I remember the next one, Airborne Ranger uh, by Microprose. I played this all the time. I love this game. Yeah. Um, it was sort of a an action-adventure military sim in the way that, you know, a little bit like Metal Gear Solid or something would come around years later, except it was it was not exactly the same, but is that time? If you could, anything it could be compared to, be something like that, which is kind of a military action adventure. And I think, if I'm not wrong, I did buy this one at B Dalton Software, etc. So everything I said before might not. No, we did get we did get a few games from there because this was an American release. So this was, but yeah. So what I have on here for 1989 are literally the European release dates for 1989. Some of these games, if they originally in the U.S., came out in 1988 or 1987. Yeah, they probably didn't come out earlier. But we did have Airborne Ranger released in the U.K. or Europe in 1989. The next one is Artura, and this is the game that Brandon had. Brandon was our friend who some went to school with us, and he would sometimes come down. We sold him our Atari ST. He would yeah. sometimes come down, sometimes go down to the store with us, and he started buying his own games, not the ones that we gave him. And yeah, Arturo was one of them. After he bought our 520ST to hook up to his TV, he then bought a color monitor because he wanted to see them in color. So he really liked his Atari ST. It was like, you know, it, it had R-Type. Artura, I put this on because um, because Brandon had it. I know he's watched him play it. I don't remember too much about it, although I just did a review of it. Uh, we got it in 1988, so I'm going to take it off there. Artura is actually a 1988 2D action-adventure game by Gremlin that Steve and I got in a Gremlin game pack along with Deflector, as I remember. Probably a couple other games, like Beyond the Ice Palace. Again, so Branded probably did have this game, but we got it in 1988 in one of the first game packs that we had purchased, the combo packs by Gremlin. And we'll cover that when we get to the 1988 games in a few episodes. Axel's Magic Hammer is the next one. Axel's Magic Hammer is a little 
single screen platform game where you have a little guy that breaks blocks with his hammer. It's done pretty well. Got some neat music and stuff like that. Not an incredible game, but it came another one that came on a pack of Gremlin games that we had all in one. Yeah, yeah. Next one is Ball. I remember Ball because Ball was, and let me make sure that I'm looking at the same thing. Yeah. Maybe I was thinking of, of something else. Shooter. Ball was a, a, a little bit like uh, a Contra or something where you yeah. would run around and shoot stuff yeah this like was a, this was a cool game hardest a mother effort but ball was another one of these games that had a lot of time put in to it early in the st's life and unfortunately and it looked really good and sounded really good but it's really hard and you could and it's like my god st games are going to be arcade quality and yeah. some of them were but you would find out later that people who didn't put as much time into their games they didn't quite make as good a games as this yeah no, this is um, a good one so the next one is bad company this is a really cool game we had you you're on the ground and you're first person and you're shooting it's 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 kind of like space harrier but it's on the ground and it's done really really well like this is like a like you see space Harrier, oh, that's pretty good you see this you're wow this is awesome so um oh okay the next one is this ballistics? A, yeah, this ballistics came on a pack of games that had all Bitmap Brothers games in it that we got. Yeah, and except it, this is this is not Bitmap. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's, oh no, Cyclops. It was Cyclops games. You're right. It looks like Speedball, but it's not. Yeah. You're shooting marbles out of the out of your mouse at the ball. I just remember the the like kind of alien title screen yeah. here that that looks like a. I don't know, some sort of like reptilian skull thing with a guy like reptile holding a ball up in the air. And that title screen was amazing to me. Like I was like, oh, well, that, just having that title screen is worth the 50 bucks we paid for this. Yeah, it was a cool game. No, I mean, it was, it was probably $24.99 for a pack of games that included ballistics and it could a few other games. We had They're on tan discs with white labels. That's what I can remember. And I have a few in the disc box right now, but not all of them. So the next one on your list is Battlehawks 1942 from Lucasfilm Another Games. Expensive, and incredibly detailed game. We got this for Christmas 1989. I believe it could have been 88, but pro I, I'm going to say it's 1989. I loved this game so much, I, I must have played it till the discs wore out. <laughs> it was so much fun. It was kind of an arcade flight simulator. Uh, one of the things you could do is you could be the back gunner on a fighter bomber. And uh, and from there, you could pick off, like, dozens of enemy planes. For some reason, I just thought this was the greatest thing ever. Um, very, very fun. I would I say Battlehawks 1942 might have been one of the best games on the ST. Yeah, might have been one of the actual, I mean, the, the most elaborate and best. When you get to the arcade, the action sequences, they're done really well also. So it's like, oh, yeah. They oh, tried. Yeah. Um, the next they tried. One, yes. The next one is Blasteroids, which I remember we got on another game pack, and we, I remember we were a little bit disappointed with it then. But as I play it now on both the ST and in emulation, it's faster than I remember. I think the time we were so much wanting our games to like beat out what was on the the Genesis or what was on the Nintendo for speed when something wasn't quite as fast on the ST, but we we were pissed off. But you know, I play it now and it's like, oh, this is the right speed and it plays really well. So I actually enjoyed a lot. Okay, the next one is Blood Money by Stegnosis. This is a this is a side scrolling shooter 
It's, I re- it's not remember just horizontal like and vertical. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it's both. I love this game really hard, but I really, really loved Blood Money. I thought this. I thought this, and there was another psychosis shooter Menace. as well. Menace. Menace. Yeah, Menace. That I. I couldn't. I thought these were. These showed that the ST was such a better platform than anything else that existed. Yeah. Well, um, the ST action at its core is incredible on these two. So, oh, yeah. you know, you compare this to a similar game on the NES, and you're like, Bleh. but the. I would say that at this time, the cheaper versions of these games that were almost as good on the Commodore 64 should have beat out the NES. Uh, Bloodwick, which is... So Bloodwick is a kind of a cheesy version of Dungeon Master. Yes. It was good. It just didn't have the... Poly- the graphics were more detailed, but not better. I don't know if that makes any sense. They were smaller, a little bit more detailed, but also not as good. The game just wasn't as good as Dungeon Master. But it was fun to play for a little while. And I like the idea that someone was making an RPG that was more elaborate than some of the other stuff that had come out. The different um, thing about Bloodwick is it had outdoor scenes, as I remember. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was okay. I don't want to get down. It was fine. It just it was like in the Dungeon Master mold, but I spent so much time with Dungeon Master, it was it was hard to match that. Yes. Um the next one is Breach, and this was a very Steve game. I've played it again recently and I like it, but this is a very Steve back then. Oh, Breach. Breach I bought at the uh, B. Dalton Software, etc. in the Galleria Mall. I remember uh, buying right. it. I want to say, though, that this came out before 1989. It probably did. This is the European release date. Th- that's fine. I think I got this in as a senior year in high school. I remember us driving there. I think you and I, you drove me down there. I was excited because I knew they had new games. Uh, we discovered that they had something local, and I wanted to get uh, this. And it's a squad-level like sort of turn-based like combat game yeah and it was really really well done uh i loved it there are other games that are out now that are very similar in fact there's another game like that has the same name that i that i imagine might even be you know inspired by this but this is a great game the next one is captain blood which by mindscape um it's very involved i know we had it but i never really got past taking the alien's fingers and pressing the buttons yeah, so Captain Blood was, I think in the magazines, it had gotten these amazing reviews. If right. you look, oh my God, because it was different. And it was cool, but it was one of those, it was genre, genre bending or genre crossing, where there was some space combat, but some adventure, but some, in a way that like only games back then attempted to Steve, do. what I've done. It did none of those well enough that I wanted to play it, but it had a lot of content there. Yeah, yeah, it got good reviews, but you're right. The next one is Commando. It's the Capcom arcade conversion by Elite. And for me, it's the best version of Commando there is. It's freaking amazing. Done really, really well. Doesn't slow down the way the Akari Warriors um, Atari ST port does or anything like that. It's really good. Um, I've played other ones, you know, the Commodore 64 one. I played the Atari 8-bit one. I played the Atari 700 one. This is my favorite one. And it's fast and colorful. Looks like the arcade. Yeah, I don't remember Commando that much, and I don't even remember the next one on your list. So maybe you should talk about that so as well. Darius Plus. So Darius is a. I mean, I know the game. I don't remember playing it on the ST. So Darius Plus. Well, Darius is actually, I think, a. It's a three-screen wide game in the arcade. 
but on the ST, it's a single screen, very colorful, but a little slow. And so you wouldn't remember because Brandon, our friend Brandon from college and high school who bought our Atari ST, he had this because he really wanted to play another side scroll. I think it disappointed him a lot because it was slow, but I played it and I like it. It's just a little bit slow. Like it definitely is. You can tell like it's not anywhere near as good as a menace or something like that. Or even Blood, uh, even Blood, Blood Money. Um, the next one, Demon's Winter, I mean, I do believe it was about 1989 when I got this. Yeah. This was a, I thought it was the sequel to Wizard's Crown, but I don't think that was actually true. Demon's Winter was as good at the time. You go back and play it now, the graphics are not great. But at the time, it was as expansive and as good as an Ultima. Uh, Rivals Final Fantasy one of the final fan later final fantasies and and even dragon quest if you like those games uh one of the best things about demons winter was there was a point in the game where you could forge your own weapons with all the magical properties you wanted to Ooh. and it was it was insane what you could create and it was one of the first times i'm like oh my god you can like make anything it was a really fun game i finished it i was happily one of my first RPG finishing experiences. I did go back and try to play it again last year, and I couldn't. It just was too clunky. The interface is just too yeah. clunky for me. I'm, I've been spoiled by, uh, <laughs> by by modern interfaces. So Double Dragon Two, we had this as a full release game. Like like we had like the full version of this somehow. I have the full manual for it. So in any case, well, we probably bought it. I mean, probably we really it because we're looking for games that might have been like Nintendo. This is yeah, we were really... looking for games to match what they had on Nintendo. Nintendo That's exactly yeah. what we were doing. Right? This was fu it's a fun game. It's done really well. It's fun. I don't know how it compares to other versions because I really have or never even played at this version. point the Genesis. We're looking at games yeah, to match. It was more the Genesis. Genesis at this point. But Double Dragon Two, good game. We had it made by version released here in the U.S. The only instruction manual I could find was an IBM one that has a uh, like a little card with the um, ST stuff in it. Um, but I could see why they release it here like that because sales. Um, dragon Spirit is the next one. It's a ver There's so many dragon this games. This is like Dragon 1942, right? This is Dragon 1942, right. I like, I like, really like this game. It's a little slow, but it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it was very, very close to the arcade game. Yeah. And it made it, it, it was, it's, it's really well done on the ST. Again, like you said, a little slow, frame rate's a little slow. A lot of these games have a frame rate of about 12 FPS. 12 or 13, um, yeah. You got used to it. Uh, the next one on your list, I remember wanting this so bad. And another Christmas game, I, I hazard to say is the same Christmas that Battlehawks 1942 came. Oh, no, it is. Came, I got a lot of stuff I, this Christmas. Yeah, we, I think we got a stack of like 15 ST games that Christmas. <laughs> yes, we, we bought each other. None of them were, I don't think they were surprises either. Fighter Bomber had this amazing sequence in it because it's an air combat simulator, had this amazing sequence where you could do in-air refueling with a refueling plane. And the, something about that was so cool because it was one of the first times in a game up close, you could see another 3D object like right in front of you. Most of the time with the F-15 Strike Eagle or even with Battlehawks 1942, they were really sprites in a 3D world, not 3D objects. 
you, you could only get so close before they would pull something where they would they would have them um, spin away in another direction or something. This one you could get right up on the 3D planes, and it was it was really cool. So I love Fighter Bomber by Activision, another one of my favorite experiences on the Atari ST. Uh, you know, you'll notice most of my favorite experiences are RPGs and oh yeah. And, uh, and, oh yeah, uh, in simulation games. Well, because that's what the computer was for. But we wanted right. to consoleize the computer too, because we wanted to play some cool action games. Speaking yep. of that, Forgotten Worlds was the next one. It's a oh, God, this is one of the game. first. So I remember this is one of the first games you and I brought home from Computer Games Plus. Yeah, and we were so excited, and we stuck in two controllers and played Forgotten Worlds for hours. For hours. Well, I think one of you can use, you can use, I think someone can use the mouse too. It doesn't matter. Maybe, Levels, whatever, we had two controllers. We, two we guys blasting away on the screen, you doesn't slow down, you pick up your Zenny, and you go buy more weapons. That's right. It was so good. It was awesome. It was so good. And it had a kind of weird, a kind of a funny attitude to it. I don't know if it was a British game to begin with, but it had sort of an attitude to it that I'd never experienced in the game before. And I'm like, wow, I really like these import games. It didn't. Right. It looked like a Genesis game to me. In fact, this game was released on the Genesis 2 or the right. Mega Drive, if you want to call that. So the next one is a uh, a release where we got a number of games out of it. Only two of them, which I would ever play again. It was the US Gold Giants. It included... 1943, Battle of Midway, Gauntlet 2, Outrun, and Street Fighter. Now, let's go backwards. Street Fighter. We put this in once, tried to play. It was so slow, we never played it again. Yeah, and the PC, by the way, the PC version was even worse than yeah, this. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Outrun, almost the same thing. It was almost, oh. it's almost too slow to play. Oh. Gauntlet 2, just an amazing conversion. Like, basically having the arcade machine in your house you could have four people playing also. I remember playing at least two people together at the same time. And um, I don't know what the 1943 Yeah, so 1943, it's a decent port of the game. It looks okay. It's sort of like... Oh, 1943. Like basically 1943. Oh, yes, it's 1943. It's just 1943. Um, and 1943... It was decent. Don't... I remember, the, for some reason, the movement being clunky on that. And I mm -hmm. feel like... Of your of your own airplane. See, the, the airplane movement is is fluid, but what the problem is, the ocean looks like a weird wavy mess, and when it scrolls, it looks it makes it look odd as it's scrolling. But yeah, it looks a, it looks a little clunky, but I think it's the scrolling that looks clunky, not the movement of your okay, plane. Okay, so I do remember this title screen definitely. I remember the second title screen. I remember the launch of this thing. Yeah, yeah I totally remember playing this. I totally remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. VST so version. Uh, next one was one another one of the games from the from the 1989 Christmas, and this was hard driving, and it's still hard to drive. I'm telling you, it is one of the hardest games to play I've ever played on the Atari. <laughs> hard driving was uh, one of the first game real textured 3D graphics in the arcade, right. or at least shaded 3D graphics. So it was, you know, not using a vector monitor. It was cool. And I remember it being groundbreaking in the arcade around 1989 or so when it came out or 88 or 89. And having the Atari name on it in the arcade, I loved. I liked that the ST could kind of do it, but it, it wasn't exactly the same. Well, it was proven arcade. that the ST could do it even better when Stunt Car Racer came out just a little while oh, yeah. later. But I appreciate that Domark tried. In fact, I really appreciate that Domark took all of the uh, was got all of these Atari arcade games that were coming out at the time and, and by Tengen and stuff and put them out in the ST. That was cool. 
Yeah. At least we could have them. I know they came out on every other system too, but you know, the, being able to combine up these two Ataris at the time was still like something that didn't happen that often. I think what's interesting about this list you have here, Jeff, is is it, it's seemingly like the heart of the time. Not all of them came out in 1989. Some of them are before. These are games but, that I know we had in 1989. But we had, we bought every single one of these. Yeah, we purchased them all. <laughs> That's what's interesting about this list is I know we paid good money it's for every single the, one. The U.S. releases on a lot of these came out earlier. And when we could grab local games, we did. And they weren't that often. But we did get a bunch in 1987 and 88. We got a bunch of local Atari ST games before they stopped really selling them. And so... When they when U.S. Gold or someone else put them out in Europe, that's where this time frame really comes from. But still, sure. it all works, right? Okay, so the next one is Hostages, and I don't remember owning this, but I remember you playing it. Somehow. I I did, but I I'm thinking about it. I don't remember owning it either. And I have to say, this could have been one of the games we got from the Sarge. It could have been. So hostages might Sarge, have been. Yeah, I think it was. So there there was a time when there were some games available, some games with our 1200 baud modem, modem. A, a, a BBS run by the Sarge, which is a guy in the Air Force. And I think we did download that. We didn't we didn't download a lot. No, it, we much. did very little. But this might have been one of them if it if it was. But hostages um, is sort of a first person sort of police simulation where you and not just first person because you have to like get each of your guys to the right spot and around the building and not get shot. You know, but I like wanted to mention it because it's a really interesting different game that someone tried to make. Like you wouldn't find a game this style now. They would just make a 3D shooter out of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think I'm looking at the box here and we I I know I definitely saw the box. Now whether we own it or not is a whole other question, but I do recognize it. Let me look at the back. At least we saw it in the store. Got That's it. all I'll get. I'll give it to you. I'm not sure I ever played it. Yeah. Well, this is we. This is the same Christmas. Round of Shadow. Yes, it's the same Christmas, and this is the game. This is from the Halloween episode. So this was a Call of Cthulhu slash Sherlock Holmes combo kind of game. I'm really not Sherlock Holmes, but you were kind of cast as a Sherlock Holmes character trying to solve a, a mystery. And it was a text adventure with graphics, I believe. This is the one that on, on New Year's morning, it typed out Happy New Year's to me. And of course, we didn't have a clock on our computer or anything. Right. It was, excuse my language, it was f***ing bizarre. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, you know that had to be the game, so I went and searched the the disc for strings um, using a, a a disc editor, and I couldn't find anything in the realm of Happy New Year. I mean, obviously it could have still could be um, encrypted or something, but uh, let's move on to the next. Yeah, one. let's move on to the next one. So, License to oh, Kill. This is what, basically basically a vertical shooter set around. There's, I, there's like seven levels. They're all, I wish there was more shooting, but like you fly a plane, you drive a boat, I believe. There's a car, a bunch of different types of vehicles you drive. They're all nicely rendered and animated in tiny little bitmap graphics. It was super fun. You just couldn't make a mistake. It was fun enough that I played it a lot. It was I like the, you know, one of the first sort of episodic action adventure 007 games. Oh, okay. It wasn't the same game the whole time.
time it was like they they tried to take different parts of the movie and and put it in the game and it was fun still have fond memories of it the next one on your list lost dutchman mine which we bought in probably in 1989 or 1990 1989 yeah, at the world of atari show might have been 1990 but no was, no it so was, we bought it with that we went to that show in 1989 okay. that's what it was and we bought it at the world of atari show at disneyland hotels so lost dutchman mine which was biomagnetic images just a great adventure game sort of a precursor to red dead redemption Right, um, right. In a way, you camped, you fished, you mined, you tried to find gold, you go into these gold mines and search for stuff. It was just so much to do in the game. And you were trying to find the Lost Dutchman Mine and there was a big area to search. Kind of like a role-playing game, but not exactly. It was his own thing. Again, another game that no one would ever make now because it doesn't fit into any categories. Well, you just but, said that they made a game like Red Dead Redemption. Like a little bit, totally a different, little bit, right? yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's not exactly. I mean, like it's not in Red Dead Redemption, You there's kind of a, a story to follow. There's just a lot more, there's a lot of stuff to do in Lost Dutchman Mine. Makeda Bumper. This is actually has many different names but it's about three different pretty decent single screen pinball games and a pinball construction set yeah i don't think we bought this one i do think this is oh uh, no we, we had this we had this one we downloaded it right yes so sorry mckid and bumper people yeah sorry about that hey everybody it's bill from atari bytes every week on my show i play a great old game then i read an original short story i wrote inspired by that game loosely inspired Okay, often completely different. Sometimes not even based on any sort of reality. In contrast, on Into the Vertical Blank, which you're listening to right now, you get real stories about real people and what these games mean to them. So keep listening. Hey, I just got in the mail on Tony Longworth's Polyplay Memories of Inficom. It's actually something you can order of Tony. I told is him it, is it have... music or is it what else is on? It's music. Oh. It's, it's his it's theme songs to... A bunch of Infocom games are inspired by. I told t- Tony that we should do an entire episode about it because we yeah. can also talk about the Infocom games about his his stuff. So that sounds good. Okay. All right. So we uh, the next one is Micro Pros Soccer, Steve, which included both oh. indoor and outdoor soccer in a very very arcadey style. Fan, I like this game. Until I played other soccer games. Right. And I like the presentation of this game. I like the way they made it work. What did you not like about the gameplay, Steve? It suffered from one of the same problems that FIFA 94 suffered from on the on the Genesis, or 95 on the Genesis, whichever one we had. It suffered from the fact that you could find a place right outside the 18-yard box that you could shoot the ball and score every single time. Yeah, with a banana kick. There was a banana kick yes. one you could use. Um, they called it a banana kick. That's just it's basically a bend it like Beckham kick. That's what they used to call it. The one thing I like about it, though, is the music, the sound effects, the presentation, and the gameplay are all pretty good. But the only way I could ever score was with that banana kick. Um, yeah, no, I, I was the only way I could score, too. I Well, at least I didn't find any other ways to score because I found that I could... Do it that way. You can do that. So why would you need to find another way? Right? Yeah. These are some of the games where I know it's presentation over gameplay. I know I'm picking that at the moment only because it showed that the Atari ST could do anything in the right hands. We start. We see things like this, which presentation-wise is just utterly like flawless. 
and we see some other games we've mentioned before this that are flawless early ST games, and then come out just like some crap, and they say this is the best it could do compared to the Amiga, and I'm like, no, it's not. No, you know it's I mean? not. It's like, People didn't try. See, what happened is when they realized that Amiga had better extra chips and stuff, they didn't even try. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's no blitter, so we can't do it. Or there's no, you know, and, and again, it's true because it was harder. Right. But people did pretty amazing stuff on the TRS-80, and they didn't have anything like that either. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I hate to I hate to compare my Atari ST to the TRS-80, but it's kind of it's kind of true. The next one, North and South, Steve. Okay, this is an Infograms game, right? This is I loved the fascination in Europe with the American Civil War, especially the French, the French and the Germans too. The Germans too. The fascination of American Civil War. Also, there's a bit of that in Spaghetti Westerns too. That part of them seeing our history through their lens, I thought was was hilarious. Plus the game was like an action strategy game. And I remember you had a cavalry guys and infantry and uh, artillery, a few different groups of them. And your job was to try obviously to destroy the other side. It was a fun sort of action strategy game in the guise of the Civil War. A little bit like, I, I guess maybe like a Worms or something. I'm not exactly closer to that than anything else yeah I, yeah like worms they made a new really version is. last year they made or a couple years ago there's a ps4 version of it i bought it i played a little bit of it it's still fun but again you know it, it, over the years that type of game has been other better things have come out what i really wanted was uh dune 2 or command and conquer right and when i finally got that i didn't all these other games are kind of just like also rans my mind but it's another one of those this one by the french not by the british or the americans where someone took the atari st and it's got cartoony graphics it's got great sounds and music it just has everything that you would want from a triple a computer game that wasn't a port it's something unique and brand new it was just really cool the next one is a very very popular Sid Meier game called Pirates, which I never played until last week. What did you remember about Pirates? I was looking for a game, a modern game, well, modern, <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, a, a next generation game that was like Seven Cities of Gold. Right. And Pirates had a lot of Seven Cities of Gold in it, but it was there wasn't as much land exploration. I think Pirates had a few things you were trying to do. It was it bought low and sold high at different ports of different types of of cargo fought other ships to either to either they were attacking you or you were going to take them over as pirates you went under the flag of a certain country and then you fought their enemies and then you would go and you would visit the kings or, or different like leaders in areas and and at one point you could marry with their daughter or something i mean <laughs> it had different parts to it either sword fighting as well and a couple other mini games really fun Again, the type of game that you could only do back then, which wouldn't work now because too many different styles of play. Kind of like License to Kill, not exactly, but where the different game styles sort of add to it. Lost Dutchman Mine is actually a good example, too. Of Usually Lost Dutchman Mine is sort of a, a mining version of Pirates in a way. Really fun game, hard to replicate now and make fun because people have played all the different parts of the game more elaborate and better not right. maybe not all in one game and also really hard to make again because people want games to all have the same you know interface and style so 
I think capturing that game at that moment in time and playing it is probably something that we're pretty lucky to do. What about Populous? I remember seeing this at one of the other computer stores, not Computer Games Plus, and we were getting uh, PC Speed or AT Speed in our in our ST installed. It was an oh, yeah. emulator. Yeah, we got AT, AT Speed. AT Speed. And I remember seeing Populous there as one of the games being released. I don't remember playing this much, but I think we purchased it. Oh, we absolutely bought it, and I played it a couple times, and it just wasn't my thing yet. So it, it languished on the shelf, but I know people loved it. And I was like, well, people love it. It's gotta be good, but I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I wasn't much for building those at the time. I, I kind of like those now. The next one is Power Drift by Activision. This was an arcade, Sega arcade conversion. I remember having this. I remember really wanting it because it looked great on the box, but it was just too sluggishly slow. All the, the drawing it had to do of this sort of pseudo first person driving game where you were driving on these like platforms and things i know there's an in the same box if you have an ste it actually speeds it up automatically with the blitter chip but i did remember like not playing this much because it was so slow well it wasn't slow it was just choppy i played this i mean it was i i remember this being a game that i played probably more often than you i think at the time it was probably later in the ST life probably later in like 91 i remember playing it i remember enjoying power drift for what it was but and and i like it it, it looked it remind was better than outrun at doing what outrun yes it was better than outrun at doing the problem with racing games is you know an arms race with racing games to make it look better and better and more more immersive and more 3d and more feel like you're driving it's kind of like sports games it's really hard to think of racing games that try to be realistic in their place and time because you're just waiting for them to get better than they are. I don't know if that are. makes sense. You're waiting for the, yeah, the rendering to be better. A possible exception, exceptions are Turbo, Pole Position, and Outrun, just because they came at certain times where those games were that were fun to play. This is this is not bad, but I and I do remember playing it a lot. So there must have been a reason. The next one is another compilation we had. It includes one of the games we've mentioned already, which is probably how we had that game, which is Captain Blood. This is the Precious Metal Ocean. Oh, no, no, no. We bought Captain Blood. Okay. Outright. Then the Precious Metal Ocean compilation had Arknoid, Captain Blood, Super Hang On, and Xenon. All four fantastic games. So Xenon is Especially the original Xenon. Arknoid. Um, Arknoid, one of the greatest arcade games ever made for the Atari ST are made in general. I mean, it is so good on the Atari ST. It's, it's crazy how good it is. Um, Super Hang On, which is just an incredible, for the time, was the best racing game on the Atari ST. Just really well done. You know, it, it has its own color quality wrinkles that it doesn't quite work as well as other versions on other platforms like the Genesis and or Mega Drive and the Amiga, but it's a great conversion for the ST. And of course, Captain Blood, which you mentioned, which is just a great game. So what an incredible compilation to get. Xenon and Xenon, I remember we got this after I got Z Xenon 2. I played Xenon 1 after right. I played Z Xenon 2. Yeah, I know, I know. Gonna call it. Xenon, um, not Xenon. And then, okay, so Rick Dangerous is, is next, and we did get this in a compilation, but I couldn't find that compilation here, which means we could have got it after, in a, like later, before this had come out in 1989, but we did have it. It's a incredibly well done, again, another one of these games that shows how well you can make Atari ST games if you try, um, but just ridiculously difficult, I find Rick Dangerous. Speaking of ridiculously difficult, the next game, Robocop. <laughs> 
Robocop. Yes, oh, I wanted to play this so bad. Game. This is one of the first Atari ST games we bought. It was in a, it was in a pack, I believe. Yes, it was. Another um, ocean pack. Another ocean pack. I wanted to play this badly. I literally could not get past the first 10 seconds ever. Like I did not know what to do to survive the first part of the first screen. That. I'm glad, but at the time I could not. And it was so frustrating to me that I could not figure out how, uh, to, how to get by it. Maybe we had, remember we got it in a game pack, so maybe it was a bum version because. It could have been. It could um, it could have had a bug in it because a lot of times when those when these compilations were put together they had they would take the pirate versions and put them on there because they didn't have the original source code or anything like that. <laughs> it's possible, <laughs> but it's a good game. Like universally, the the correct version of RoboCop is universally regarded as one of the better Atari ST games because it has everything you want in sort of a, a a correctly done Contra style game. Maybe not the speed, but it has a lot of interesting. It's got it's a very well crafted game. I agree with you though. I don't remember playing it much. Our version of it. So I want to say Rick Dangerous. Just to go back to that we'll just back, for a yeah. sec. I always thought that was a Bitmap Brothers game. I don't know why. I just thought it was. It has the reason. quality of a Bitmap Brothers game. Yeah, that's why. and so does one of the next ones. That's why I mentioned. So, so let's go down to the next one's Roller Coaster Rumbler. It's one of the few Tyne Soft games we ever got, but. You basically shoot things while riding on a roller coaster. We had this one. <laughs> I I do remember it. I didn't play it very often though. So. And then Sidewinder Two. It does scroll horizontally and vertically, but it just scrolls a little bit horizontally. Horizontal scrolling is not very good. It's like almost like a a little bit of a, a skip over to the side. But in essence, it's still one of the best explosion generators on the Atari ST. Oh, that's cool. I don't remember buying this. Was this a, was this another download? We had it. We had it for, I have the disc. Oh, yeah. you got the so, disc? No, okay. I have the disc, yeah. Um, it was on a compilation also. Uh, we bought a lot of compilations. So um, Sim City. Now, this is interesting. I remember buying this. It came out in 1989. I remember buying Sim City in... 1991 like one of the last atari st games that i remember really getting into oh, i love SimCity. i um, love the original city. i think it, it came out late on the atari st because i think it came yeah. out on the mac first it probably did um, yeah. and but it was really good it was one of the first sort of real-time strategy games i could get into where you were you know uh building and i you know obviously there were the disasters you could send at your city too but i got really into this and I know later games got more complicated, yeah. but I, I think I, I enjoyed the relative simplicity of the Me original. Too. Me too. I've this a lot, actually. I was going to say, to have it on the ST was great because, you know, this is one of the seminal mouse mouse games, right? right? To use a mouse to play, there's really no other way to do it. And to have it in color, have be playing on the Atari ST at the time, I think is, it was, was such a great experience to experience this that way. I remember getting you Sleeping Gods Lie, another 3D RPG. Do you remember this game, Steve? I do. I, we got Sleeping Gods Lie. It was a first-person RPG. With, it's first-person, you know, first-person RPG, but it, it used scaling graphics, I believe, yes. scaling 2D graphics. I, it was it was hard for me to get into. Again, like if you weren't doing a first-person game and you weren't dungeon master it was hard for me to get into you that's why i like demons winter more because it didn't try to do that at all it was its uh, own thing so strider i remember us getting this was an arcade port i remember ian our friend ian had this on the genesis slash mega drive and we said hey this is going to be as good as forgotten worlds i think it 
really got close with the gymnastics and things your player could do and he can he or she can do like these flips and stuff and grab onto the side of things i just don't think that it was optimized very well for the atari st no, I, don't, I, I mean i, I like I it though i love when we forgotten worlds was so good with the zany and all this stuff i yeah. thought i always come sometimes you get strider and forgotten worlds mixed up me too um but forgotten worlds is the one that was great and strider is the one that's a little disappointing to me well i say my next video is about you know atari 1989 atari st gems 25 of them that weren't necessarily in my other videos yet forgotten worlds is up there and so strider when i go through there so i may have them both in there but um next game stunt car racer yes great game Great, great. I don't great remember game. having this originally. Oh no, we have. We got it. Yeah, we got that. I play this a lot. We got that box. Um, I have the original disc right now. It's so it's a tan disc with a red label. Oh yeah, I well, I mean, I've seen it subsequently, um, but I didn't. I didn't realize we had it back in the day. But I've, you know, I mean, a lot of the times there were lots of games that I never actually played. Yeah, because um, you're you're I was probably spending playing all my time City. playing. Well, I was playing SimCity and, you know, Activision Fighter Bomber. So right, exactly. Stuff like I was, that. I was playing Stunt Car Racer. Here's a game that we got, uh, another one on a tan disc with black labeling in a compilation, maybe after this came out, Super Wonder Boy in Monsterland by Activision for the Atari ST, which is the only Super Wonder Boy game, uh, a Sega arcade port like this that came out on the ST, it's a fantastic game. You poke monsters with your sword, and you pick up coins, and you and you have an adventure. Oh, that's awesome! I don't. Re I remember playing Soup, the Wonder Boy games on our Sega Master System. It, it just one showed up in my last this. video of my um, Atari ST Gems number five. If you want to take a look. Oh, cool! I will take take a look at that. Um, um, Switchblade is the next one. Again, another game that I thought was a Bitmap Brothers game. Yeah, looks like one. It, it looks like one. A fun action adventure. You know, you're running around in in different. It is different, very good. Think, there are a lot. I mean, for how many of these games came out in Europe for the the systems? You know, a, a six Commodore sixty four, Atari ST, Amiga, all the other systems. It's funny how there's this lack of appreciation or reverence for these games, and more towards all the Japanese games when we've listed so many great games on here that were as good or better than the japanese games that came well i mean as good or just or yeah, i mean at least at least up there you know yeah but the reverence isn't there like in all of europe they had they had they had computers instead of consoles these games came out for every single platform from the the cpc and the specy and the the amiga commodore 64 atari st those are the five platforms that basically got every single game for like four or five and, years and then the mega drive too right this was all over europe all these guys came out games came out you i think, think they still are popular and they don't really have a reference for the nes like people do here i hear um, more of it from them when we hear the the, the shows like the yeah but they like like this the super nintendo they like the you're super right super nintendo and stuff, you're right you're right okay. but i think at this time i think there still are it's, we're the ones to find anyone who's interested it's few and far between here because you're right about that go to an import store every month <laughs> to go buy this stuff right okay well you're right maybe it's my favorite reference okay so next one was a was sort of a bunk but tried really hard arcade conversion uh thunderblade Thunder on the Thunder uh, sega so this is best played, conversion. best best played, at uh, well you could try to play this at 16 megahertz on your um, in 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 Steam, but the problem with the game is 
how it controls, not necessarily, and how difficult it is, is not necessarily how slow it is. The yeah. controls are awful in this game. It looks neat, but it definitely runs slow. Like the the, the, the static screen looks. I good. remember being totally disappointed by this. No, yeah, I mean, a static screen looks good now. I didn't say a static screen looks good, like you know. Anyway, I mean, looks good back then. So the um, next two are Tubin and Vindicators by Domark, who did a bunch of Atari yes. Atari games going up conversions. Both decent. Both, um, yeah, decent to good, but not necessarily incredible. Yeah, but I mean, they, they suffer from the problem with arcade conversions at the time. And is that until arcade games went and they, they became like Gauntlet or, you know, like the Simpsons fighting game or Double Dragon or, you know, the games were, were the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game where people played, you know, four people at a time. And it was a big, long adventure. Like yeah. these games were designed for you to play for like five minutes. And so getting the the arcade game, a great you know conversion was really not that much fun because now you can play it as much as you want. And, but if they kept the difficulty and stuff as hard as it was in the arcade, it doesn't have the same draw. It and goes it back. Kind of, yeah, I was gonna say, it kind of shows the limitation of I think Atari games at the time yep. trying to convert from the golden age games to whatever the new era was. They did it. I mean they they did it with Gauntlet. Yeah, um, but if they but if, was, so Nintendo had the right idea though. They would have taken two bin or vindicators and just because they told they had this mandate that if you put a game out on multiple platforms you had to make it different on the NES the difference they made made the game so much better for a home conversion. So I don't know if they did this on Tubin. Just for instance, Tubin would have been not just a travel down the river, but an, an adventure game too. Yeah, yeah. So they, um, and you look at Miss Pac-Man is amazing for the NES, and it's not. It, it has all sorts of different stuff than the original. Yeah, exactly. On, on purpose. So that was something that actually was kind of a good thing that they did. The, the strict arcade conversions were a little disappointing because of those limitations. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you'll see if you or you watch my video, but it's only a little bit in the videos, a minute of it. If you go play Super Wonder Boy in Marshall Land on the Atari ST, it has been slightly altered that it's better than the arcade game because you was made as a, almost an adventure game on the Atari. On the, so there are watch Jeff's videos, hit that like and subscribe. No, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, Steve. Hit Not that like and subscribe. <sighs> okay, I'm just saying that you, since you said you hadn't played Super Wonder Boy. Okay, anyway, let's go to the final one on this list, which Hit is... Hit that like and subscribe. Hit that like and subscribe. Okay, so I never say that. Um, I, and know, I, I know you don't. So Xenon 2 Megalas, which we just talked about for an hour before this. Five minutes, yeah. Um, this is the, the probably... You know, um, collision detection issues aside, it's probably the best blaster up to that time on the Atari. Oh yeah. So there we go. I mean, that's a bunch of games from nineteen around nineteen ninety-nine, most of which we know we bought ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we bought, <laughs> our... or we got a little bit later, or we got before because of the differences in release dates, or we got into compilation afterwards. And we played these through. This is we played these through college, I and mean, this is how we got yeah, through college. That's how we got through college. After right. Taking notes and printing this them out on our twenty. Our game system in college. Yes, this um, is definitely well. But you know, the Atari too. ST was used for so many things, right? You just mentioned the notes. Like we would take notes and we'd print out on that that thirty-two pin printer these tiny, tiny notes about every class, so we could study for them for tests. So the so ST I, I mean, wasn't just I a mean, game machine. No. 
I mean, the Atari ST I used to write my first published magazine article. The Atari ST we used to make the titles for those for the videos m- movies we movies. made. Yeah. Um, the Atari ST I used one of those movies in 1989. By the way, the yeah, and one. then we also made a game. We had made our game. You know that that yeah. we that that we published a couple of years ago. Republished a couple of years ago. You know, onto. Atari Mania. So, I mean, the, that Atari ST was used for a lot. And again, notes and writing and everything that we could possibly do with it, we did. Exactly. So, and a lot of it happened right at this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to add that the incredible song by Tony Longworth, Dust and Ashes, is coming up next. Until next time, Steve, into the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank. Like and subscribe, everybody. Like Like and subscribe. subscribe. Into the vertical blank.
Next frame calculated. Prepare to write new data. V blank ending. An 8-Bit Rocket Studios production. An 8-Bit.